0: The Links and Locks podcast. Better than most. Better than most. Better than most. <laughs> winner, winner, chicken yes. dinner. <laughs> Four.
1: You got real talent. Don't concentrate on golf. Hello, you beautiful degenerates, and welcome to Links and Locks, the Action Network's golf betting podcast, presented by Bet Three Six Five. This week, we're going to be previewing our bets for the Sony Open in Hawaii. They're in Honolulu at Wai Lai Country Club. Last week, we were at the Century over on Maui, where Chris Kirk picked up his sixth career PGA Tour win, did it by one stroke over Sahit Digala. Unfortunately, my outright did not hit. Spencer and Nick also had outrights who were in the mix. Spencer had Scotty Scheffler. Nick had Jordan Spieth. But at the end of the day, Chris Kirk came through and got his six PGA Tour win. Congratulations to him and to all Chris Kirk backers. But we're back with more night golf this week at Wiley. And it's a very different golf course, a very different field. Instead of 59 players, there's a full field of 144 players this week. And we could not be more excited to jump into it so with that i'm roberto arguello and welcome in spencer aguiar and nick Bretwish. you can find spencer on twitter at t off sports you can find nick on twitter at sticks that sticks with an x and you can find me on twitter at roberto a213 fellows welcome in and give me your best bet for the sony open in hawaii this week i'll start with you nick
0: all right i'm gonna go with a guy that i know we were both on last week especially in the DFS side of things. And he struck the ball incredibly well, has fantastic course history here. I have value at the top of the board on JT Poston, 33 to one right now in the market is the best price. JT Poston, final answer. All right, JT Poston, arguably the best putter in the world. Another strong week
1: last week. He was my best bet for top 20 plus 175. Ties, Ties paid in full. And he did cash that with a T5, I believe last week. So Nick, hopefully he keeps it rolling for you. This week. Before we get into that, Cap, Spencer, what is your best bet for the week this week?
2: I feel really weird not giving a head to head bet on this show. That's something that I always do, you know, especially when we continue to talk about how bad these placement markets have become. I think if you can find Austin Eckrode minus 110 over Davis Thompson, that's a price that's unfortunately moved. It's different now in the high minus 120 range, but I would consider that if your book still has that available. But I am going to go with the only non-outright wager that I did place this week so far. Adam Svensson, plus 260 for a top 20.
1: So Adam Svensson, a guy whom, Spencer, if I remember correctly, in 2022, November, you hit on him to win the RSM Classic. Is that right? That is correct. So going back to the well with Svensson this week, excited to hear why you went with him for top 20. I went with one of Spencer's guys this week. A guy whom we've taken lots of shots on, Steven Yeager. For 55th or better, you can find him in the finishing positions over there on our sponsor's website or app, Bet365. Before we get into Yeager, Nick, tell me why you like JT Poston this week.
0: Yeah, like you said, I think one of the uh, the more confident things in backing someone up the board is their ability to make putts when it matters most. I know we are talking Before air, um, you know, my my numbers seem to have a good edge on Corey Connors in the outright market as well, if you could still find 28 to 1. But for me, J.T. Poston and just the flat stick just makes me feel a lot more, you know, safe in terms of spending. What is my at risk here for J.T. Poston? So 0.22 units, which is 22% of my outright card on J.T. Poston. I'd rather, you know, spend that money on a guy that I know can make putts when it matters most. Love the iron play, and I think what matters most to me recently with J.T. Poston, he is playing with big-name players. You see him compete and absolutely try to run down some of the world's best last Sunday to finish inside the top five. So yeah, J.T. Poston, he's becoming a world-class player instead of just being a world-class putter. I'm all in on J.T. Poston, and again, it's the highest value edge that I have in my numbers, so I'm always going to trust the math. I know it was a little bit disappointing Sunday with Jordan Spieth, but... Again, you know, you take away that double to start the round, and that bogey, you know, because of the ball, he get the uh, the fried egg on sixteen in the bunker there. Take away that, I think Jordan Spieth wins by two or three strokes. So, uh, I'm going to trust my numbers. I'm going to JT Poston.
1: Can't forget about when he had to put his ball in the divot for Harris English as well. That too, yeah, um, that too, that was on. wild.
0: A funnel, so really a funnel unlucky down for there. Yep. Um,
1: but you know, I love JT Poston. I saw him at forty earlier this week. Didn't punch a punch a ticket then then he's all, all the way down at 30 throughout the market now and I still have room on my card but I haven't punched a ticket yet but who knows we got plenty of time left in the pod for an in pod play but first Spencer why are you going with Spencer for top 20
2: It was a number grab situation for me that plus 260 price was about 60 points higher than the rest of the market his 12 consecutive made cuts generated a very high floor within my model and then he was one of the most significant upside climbers for me because of his seventh place grade for projected scoring at while I only bet this to win a unit, but I thought that combination of course history, that extended form that he had dating back to the end of 2023, and then that statistical profile that I just talked about, that made him the best value on the board for me. And I tend to agree for the most part with what Nick said when it comes to the putting. Like, Connors is very safe this week, if we're just talking specifically about him, but I worried about his ability to make putts for the price that you have to pay to get up there. I kind of like those JT Postons, Brian Harmons, a lot of players like that that we'll discuss later in the show. I wouldn't say that Spenson is quite the putter of some of those names, but inside the top 40 of my model, every single way that I ran it for the most part, I do think that the Irons, if they can get hot enough, like you just need to either get and we'll talk about this in a second. In fuego with the irons and be neutral to better with the putter. That's how we saw Siwoo Kim win. Or if you can light it up with the putter, you can kind of mask some of the other problems. I still think you need the gain with your irons, but uh, just that boomer bust potential that he does add with the flat stick to go along with the iron play. Really think it's a nice spot for him to potentially make a run up the board.
1: All right. Hopefully Svensson brings it home in the top twenty this week, and who knows, maybe you've got a little bit more on him for some other markets as well. Finally, capping off our third best bet, I've got Steven Yeager, 55th or better. And this one just kind of perplexed me because Steven Yeager, Spencer has talked about him frequently on this <laughs> podcast and bet him outright, which hasn't cashed quite yet. But Steven Yeager has been just consistent. The model of consistency on the PGA tour, other than Scotty Scheffler, who is just doing ridiculous things. But Yeager, in his last 10 starts, 55th or better every single one of those 10 starts and in th- in four Sony open appearances he's also got three top 55 finishes as well and overall you look at his game there's no weakness in any facet off the tee on approach around the green or putting and for me the reason why I think he is priced this low at 55th you don't want to just bet on a bet where you think the number is wrong and you don't know why you want to know why it's wrong um or else you're falling into a trap that the books have set um oftentimes that's the case for football basketball road favorite lay in a short number et cetera, et cetera. but anyways Jaeger strengths of his game are around the green and driving distance but those two strengths are mitigated this week 72 percent of greens are hit in regulation at YLI and driving distance not as important on what is more of a positional golf course but Jaeger is also above average in driving accuracy he's above average on approach and he's a pro average putter so where he needs to be performing this week, he is also very well positioned to excel. So even though his strengths are somewhat neutralized, he's strong throughout the bag. And as a result, he just really needs to make the cut in order to catch this 55th or better. So as a result, I'm going to play 1.2 units on Jaeger, 55th or better at minus 120 on our sponsor, Bet365. So before we get into our outright bets, let's jump into our course preview Why Light Country Club, and why we are weighing different things this week, which will lead to our bets. So without further ado, Spencer, I'll let you get into how you are modeling Why Country Club.
2: Yeah, from a structural standpoint, you get this flat, very tedious setup that's going to emphasize par four scoring. I think a little bit of the putting that we keep going back to, and then ball striking at its core. That doesn't mean that only quality putters can win. I talked about that with Siwoo Kim a second ago, but... I do think there's this pronounced need to either gain massively with some combination of your approach shots or be steady across the board and add to that mix when you look at off the tee. I agree with you, Roberto, when you talked about that, this course, that the distance gets mitigated a little bit. I will say though, I do think that there's a lot of different ways to find success out here. You're going to have much narrower fairways. The flat nature of the grounds will remove some of that undulation and wide open feel that Kapaloo presented a week ago. I don't know, though, that you still cannot take that aggressive approach. So I don't want to discredit. And I think that's a reason for Jaeger, specifically, if we're looking at that name of why I wouldn't want to remove him from any iteration of how I'm trying to bet him. But um, it's a very straightforward venue out here. It's the second most predictive venue on tour. That's going to be behind only Augusta National and Rollover Success. We see that come into play with the emphasized proximity distribution from 125 to 200 yards. That's a range that creates 67% of the total shots and presents over a 12% increase in importance versus a typical test. The hard-to-hit fairways did have me flip that new school moniker of distance over accuracy. I weighed at 63% to 37%, so a little bit heavier on that accuracy range there just because of that tree line nature. You don't want to block yourself out, but essentially what you're looking at is you need to hit a green in regulation. Those, Those height and numbers that you talked about, Roberto, I think if you do that, you give yourself a chance to score. If you don't, it's going to likely be a very short week that does possess a cut this week. That's something for everybody out there. If you know, if you're either don't realize it or whatever the situation is, know that there is a cut this week. We're going to kind of be mixed bag this season between that, but you have a 144 player field where there is a cut on Friday. So something to keep in mind for some of these markets.
1: Nick, anything you'd like to add on how you are approaching y
0: no, um, I think maybe if anything, I do value the around the green game for those when you do miss the green. Um, Like you said, though, it is a very high green regulations percentage here. So driving accuracy is very important, especially with the tight tree line fairways. But no other than that, Spencer's the best in the business at the course breakdown. I build my numbers very similar to how he does. His model means a lot to my week. So let's do it. Just want to ask you guys one question. So obviously last week at Kapalua
1: par 73, there were five par fives. So you're going to factor in par five scoring at that course this week. There are only two. So does that mean that you don't want to factor in par five scoring as much or because there are only two and you need to capitalize on those two? Does that make them even more important or how do you guys approach that?
0: I mean, I'll give like a more basic answer. I feel like just looking at the recent history, like the last three years, all two, okay, it's all two. Those two par fives are very reachable for damn near 90% of the field. So to me, I, I don't think it matters a whole lot. I think that if anything, that's where the putting being weighed a little bit heavier in my numbers matters and which really gets me on the post and as opposed to Corey Connors when I'm up there fighting at the top of the board. But that that's kind of my, my lame man's answer. But I'll let Spencer dive into the data a little bit more here.
2: Yeah, I, I think when you look specifically at this venue and you look at the par fives, the eagle rates are just so massive. There's a 6.6% eagle rate on the ninth, a 3.2% eagle rate at the 18th. You're going to be looking between a 53 to about 69% birdie or better percentage on those two holes. I think when you get there, you have to score. I did weigh a little bit more of the par 4 scoring. Like, it's closer in weight than general, but a lot of the decrease for me actually came on the par 3s when I ran my model. Um, difficult holes to score on for the most part. I'm trying to find players that are not going to necessarily... Implode a score in those areas. I do think, though, that if you want to actually capture the title at this tournament, you're going to have to produce on the par five. So, uh, there's a lot of different ways to look at par five numbers. I looked under the par five birdie or better percentage rather than just par five average, just because I do want to find those birdie makers and the guys that can make Eagles when they get the opportunity. So, I'm going to give a very similar answer to Nick, where I think it's important this week.
1: Awesome. Great stuff, guys. Um, on a question that I don't think a lot of people are asking this week, but before we get into the outright betting outright bets, I wanted to note that the top three golfers on the odds board this week, only three of them are consensusly under 20 to one. That's Ludwig O'Bear, Tyrrell Hatton, who had a beautiful in- interview with Todd Lewis, I believe it was last Friday after a 62. And then also Matt Fitzpatrick. These are the three consensus top guys on the odds board, and none of them have played this golf course before. So, as a result, might be some volatility for people doing one and done, for people who want to do DFS. So a lot of different ways to attack this board. But guys, how are you doing it with the outright market, starting with you, Nick?
0: I looked at a or O'Bear for I-, I butcher his name every time. I'm sorry, guys. I looked at O'Bear for quite some time. I I don't think I'm very interested at all in Hatton in any situation, one and done or in the outright market. But O'Bear is kind of just a wild card for me just because he's so lights out with his woods. Like he can, he can club down he could probably get to both par fives and two. The iron play just at the end of last year is fantastic. The, the middle irons for him. I mean, where everybody's hitting eight, nine iron from one hundred fifty to 200, he's probably hitting a pitching wedge, if not a gap wedge with how long he is. I feel like this course, like it, it may not, seem that way because we we probably want to get exposure to obear when it's more of like a long drive long and accurate driving type like a u.s open style but i don't know i I think that this is kind of how we were talking about cam davis last year we liked him on club down courses and that was kind of taboo in terms of like the betting space and people talking about betting golf but i think obear is is tough to avoid for me he's someone that i'm very interested in i was very close to getting a ticket there especially like He's not ten to one. I think if you if he shows out at the Sony or I'm sorry at the uh, at the Century, I think that his odds are probably set right right around the ten to twelve mark. And just because he kind of laid an egg last week, I feel like the bookmakers are like, okay, we'll take some risks just because they probably don't think a lot of people will bet him. I was very close to betting Aubert, and I do think this course sets up fantastically for him, especially with that high of a green regulation percentage. Where if anything, maybe his short game is lacking, but. I I think it's a great course for him, and I'm very interested. I just don't know if I have the room on my card because I'm pretty much all in on he posting, and we'll talk about maybe one or two other guys here in a minute.
2: Yeah,
1: go ahead and uh, give the rest of you guys on your outlet card.
0: All right, I wanted your guys' thoughts, but I punched a ticket anyway. It was an in play in pod play um, while I was on mute here. But JJ spawned 75 to one. I will give you my numbers for him. I have him at 55 to one, so he's a massive edge. The issue with him is kind of just what putter do we see? Like historically with JJ Spawn, he was a very good putter on the PGA tour a couple of years ago when he was lacking in the iron play. And now his irons really came to life over the last year and a half. He's been one of the best middle mid range iron player on tour, according to my number. So uh, I like that. I know that he's been in the winning circle back in 2023 or 2022 is when he won, right? He won uh Valero. So it's, he's not foreign to winning. I do like that. I do like the T12 last year. And then I did get to Justin Rose after speaking with Spencer for two seconds pre-show. It's all I needed is his nod of approval at 45 (laughs) to one. And I'm looking for a triple digit number because I do have room for that. Otherwise, I can force a little bit more than one unit at risk in the outright market and take Aubert if you guys talk me into it.
1: All right. I think you had some interesting ones there that we'll come back to. And I liked you mentioning that Aubert last week Played poorly relative to our expectations for him, and as a result, we might get a bit of a discount on him this week. I think there are a few guys that are worth targeting in that mindset this week. But before we get into that, Spencer, who'd you punch a ticket on in the outright market this week?
2: Before I give those answers, I I do want to go back to the O'Bear comment that Nick said. I Mm -hmm. I think this is a good workshop opportunity to discuss some of this because if you look at the outright market, Corey Connors, Russell Henley. Books are different. I don't want to give such a blanket statement here, but there are a lot of books where those two players have become the favorite at some of those shops. Mm -hmm. And I agree with everything that Nick just said, where there's now this perception where he doesn't perform at the Century. You get one of these tournaments where I think the perception is that he loses his distance and we've talked about it. Yes, accuracy is going to matter here, but I don't think that losing... I think a player can bomb and gouge a little bit out here if you miss in the right spots. There's a lot of different ways to try to find success here. When you look at him in my model, he was massively number one for weighted total driving, even when looking for accuracy there. He was number one for me massively when trying to find projected uh, strokes gain total and projected weighted scoring for me. So uh, I also heavily considered going down that route. I didn't eventually end up pushing that ticket or punching that ticket either but I think there's a lot of what Nick said that makes sense that the market seems to be running to Connors and Henley in this spot and I would rather take Obert at a very similar even in some spots like the same price There, I'm going to be out on Connors for all the reasons that we've talked about I just don't know if he can make enough putts to actually win like him in safety markets he makes sense in any of those head-to-head wagers I'm not looking to take him on just don't love the price necessarily I would have preferred 40 to 1 plus Think Henley is the more intriguing one. Um, I have talked about his profile over and over again. I know that's Nick's guy, even if you just date this back to the last two seasons. And there's a lot of that statistical data that's going to make sense. I just can't get myself to bet Russell Henley to win a golf tournament at twenty to twenty-five to one. I would have liked over thirty to one to get into that area. So I end up getting out on him, and that's kind of where this card of mine got constructed because I had the favorite, O'Bear. I had him as a price that was conducive to push punch a ticket on him. But the second favorite for me on my odds board ended up being Brian Harmon when he was at 25 to 1. That number has dropped quite a little bit. I'm going to give you guys a little update here. Uh, Roberto, you're in first in the Action Network one and done contest. Nick, you're in second. Brian Harmon will win the contest this week, and then I will be in first. So that's going to be a nice little change when I can jump back to the top there. Yeah. but. A third place grade for me for weighted scoring that generated the upside, additional top five mark for weighted strokes gain total that provided that significant return. That's going to equal or surpass pretty much anybody in that range that I just talked about. I had 17 to one proper. I think anything that you can get above that is still a punchable ticket. I took Justin Rose at 55 to one. That is more now in the 45 to one range. I still think that's fine. He ranked inside the top 10 of my model this week for proximity between 125 to 200 yards, weighted scoring, weighted strokes gain total, and then the historical performances on these short par 70 venues. The early movement for this price that we've seen, if you want to call it 10 points here, I think some people might have even been able to get 60 to one if you jumped on that early enough, but it's going to be that 61 that he shot on Sunday at the Century. Unfortunately, I wish that wasn't what ended up happening because it moved the number so quickly in a lot of these spots, but I uh, still think there's value no matter what we're talking about. I think this is one of those trendy plays that actually makes sense. It's kind of very similar to what we saw at Pub- Pebble Beach when he captured the title last season. Really liked the core setup for him. I took Lucas Glover 75 to 1. Glover graded first in my model for of proximity and then top 10 for projected par four scoring. It's always going to come down to that putting acumen for how far he can work himself up the leaderboard. But the high-end nature of it last year captured back-to-back titles. If he can produce anything like that, I do think that there's a potential that he provides one of those Siwoo Kim answers to where he gains 10 strokes approach. And all of a sudden, you know, he's neutral to a stroke a day with the putter and he ends up winning the tournament. I thought that was a good price. And then I did go to Adam Svensson at 70 to 1 historical elite scorer on similar tracks inside my model, seventh in my model for expected scoring. I thought that the true win equity at this going rate in the outright market was better than the price. There's maybe a little bit of that boomer bust potential with it, but I don't think it's quite as much as a guy like Lucas Glover. Like, I don't have any other tickets to talk about this week. And if I like Glover and the price is the exact same as Svenson inside the top 20 market, you would think I'd be on both. I thought Glover was a little bit more volatile. So if I was going to bet Glover, I'd probably more be more inclined to do it as a top five or a top 10. Didn't get there. Um, I do think it's an interesting price, but kind of as we talk about, if you aren't getting ties paid out in full, those are really challenging markets for me to want to jump into ever.
1: 100% agreed. And I thought you guys made some great points on O'Bear. Spencer, you mentioned Svenson playing well on similar courses, specifically the RSM Classic. And. Not only did he win the RSM Classic, so did Ludwig O'Bear in his most recent start before last week at the Century. So tons of reasons why you should like him. And you guys are really talking me into O'Bear. I haven't bet on him yet, but I am strongly considering it now, and I wasn't really before. I just did it. I did it. I also have some bad news. I did it. Um, Before we hopped on the air here, I was talking with Nick about there were two guys I was considering for one and done this week, and that was JT Poston and Brian Harmon. I already did submit Brian Harmon. I think you could still change it. I'm not sure. So you Spencer, do yeah. I don't keep it though. You, you might just be treading water this week, but I did just reveal that to you guys. So now you guys have a little bit of advantage so you can move it around. I'm saving Poston likely for the John Deere classic. Um, whereas I can't save Harmon for the RSM because it's not in our, in our pool. So um, you, you can save we-
2: him for the open championship. The different courses here. year. <laughs>
1: But um, yeah. So I I have Brian Harmon right now. Ha- not sure that i get- I think we can change it before Thursday. You can you can, it, yeah. you can I, change I, it
2: whenever. I mean, I think, I think that Spencer might be- and I
0: tinker <laughs> seven times until like one hour before lock every single week. But yeah. last week it was easy because I was I was full on Geordie on the show. Stayed with it. I'm happy with my decision. So yeah, I
1: I went a little different last week with Degala It worked out not as well as it would have worked out with, without Kirk. But I like where I'm at. And I can be a little bit more safe with an $800,000 lead over second place. So I think I'm going to do that this week with Brian Harmon. Uh, Although Ludwig O'Bear, intrigued. But I have to, I think I'm going to use him at an event where there's more money at stake further down the line. Getting into the the tickets that I have punched this week. I have not been very aggressive this week and did a lot of number grabbing. So I'll start with the longest number I punched. I did punch a ticket on Joel Damon at hundred or sorry, at 175 to one. I think you can get better out out there in the market than that, but I like how he plays on these. I like him as someone who can get hot with his irons, kind of like a Siwoo Kim where you can kind of stave off the putter and win in spite of it, even if he gets really hot, but at 175 to one, I wanted to punch a ticket on him. Just take a shot. I also liked, and I like all these other ones a lot more than that first ticket. I have Taylor Pendrith, 140-1. to He's a guy whom we've mentioned also is a bomber, but plays well on some of these club down tracks. He just had a down year last year. We remember at the end of 2022, he went on a 10-12 tournament string where he was on fire and was playing, finishing in top 15 almost every single week. Last year, down year. This year, new start, fresh beginning. And... With him at 140 to one, I think he's got a lot more talent than a lot of the other golfers in that price range. So I like him in upside markets this week. Uh, Whether you want to bet him to win outright, top 10, top five, maybe even top 20, depending on if you can get ties paid in full. I think those are all worth a hard look on Taylor Pendrith. Additionally, I also have a few guys whom I really like as more plotters who can get really hot with their irons and guys who have won in recent years on the PGA Tour. So Tom Hoagie, 90 to one, got some of that. Emiliano Grillo at 80 to 1. I saw him at open at 90 to 1, go down to like 60 to 1, and now back up to 80 to 1. So I bet him at 71, and I scooped some more up today at 80 to 1. So I really like Griot. He had not the best week last week, but just a pure number grab for me on a guy who's been putting better recently than he has traditionally, and who can get scorching hot with his irons. Uh, same thought there with Tom Hoagie. And then, I have two other guys in the 50 to one range. So Spencer, I believe you mentioned Cam Davis is a guy who we target in some club down courses. I like him again this week for those reasons, even though he had a poor result last week at the century, very different course. And he has had some strong horse history here at Wiley. And overall he's played some really strong golf in his last 12 starts. Eight of them have been in the top 12 and no real weaknesses although driving accuracy is, but on a club down course, I think that will be mitigated to a degree more so than it will be for other golfers who are long and less accurate. And then also I wrapped up my card so far with a bet on Keegan Bradley at 55 to one. He won at the Travelers last year in another similar club down course. Of course, not quite as tight as that one, but He's a guy who can get really hot with his irons. I know his Bermuda numbers, I saw it, Spencer in your sheet, were really bad. Uh, but his overall putting has been good, or has been strong. I believe he's better on bent grass than Bermuda. But it's been a long time since he played putted on really any Bermuda grass. So hopefully with a bigger sample size, with the relatively, uh, not relatively new putter, it's been around for a year and a half. But hopefully he can fix figure that out. And I wanted to bet... Guys further down the board, 50 to one or longer, give me some room to bet in tournament because it looks like there's going to be, they're going to be 20 plus mile an hour wins Thursday and Friday. So if there is a wave advantage, I wanted to save some bullets in the chamber to potentially take advantage of that. Um, So if Ludwig O'Bear, Brian Harmon happen to be on the right side of one of those edges, especially if one of the other two is on the wrong side, I'll be very intrigued about potentially punching a ticket on one of those guys. Um, Guys, any other... Notes you wanted to make before we move on to the rest of our cards. Got a uh, question no. for you guys. Go ahead, Nick.
0: All right. What are your thoughts? He's finished inside the top thirty. This last two times, I think his only two times here in terrible form. Finished inside the top ten last year. We can get a number of two hundred to one for one of the best putters on the planet. That's all I could say about this guy. If you want to guess who it is,
2: um, hmm. let me look. Let me let me give a
0: Mav guess McNeely? here. Mav McNeely. I don't think I've ever bet him in my life, but 200 to one. I got him at 160. So it's not like for that low of an implied win equity, like it's not that big of an edge for me in terms of like percentiles, but it would grade out as it push to push the ticket. So 200 to one. One I I, I got to give one. We got to give one bomb on here, right?
1: I'll push back on you just a bit.
0: There is no such thing as bad form for these guys who didn't play last week. True. Well, okay. so looking at his his history, he usually ends the fall swing Mm -hmm. inside the top 20 of every single tournament. And then this year that just he fell off a cliff. So it can't get any worse, right? I I don't think like, okay, I don't think we'll ever see a 200 to one number on him again in a tournament. That's I I would say this is a rather weak field. It's not a weak field, but I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it, guys. There's yeah. another guy at two hundred to one and Will Gordon, whom I thought you might be I referring love, to. I love putting. Will Go, but I yeah, no. I if, if I'm betting someone to win, I, I need I need a putter. And uh, unfortunately Will is not that. But I do love you, Will. I know you're listening, so I will find you at a different tournament, but not this one. Spencer, I, I, is he dead last in your numbers or what? Just just say
2: it. No, <laughs> he's he's not dead last in my numbers. I, I think at least with him you have the pedigree. Of a player that shouldn't be two hundred to one, the injury bug that caught him in two thousand and twenty three really just derailed that entire season for him. Since he's come back, we haven't necessarily seen the results that we would want. Um, I don't think two hundred fifty
0: been... to one. Sorry, two hundred fifty to one. I found in my market. Oh, I got it. I got it right. <laughs> uh,
2: he's been he's been great here with back to back top twenty seven finishes. I think it's one of those things, Nick, where if you're if you're throwing a dart, like he's too good of a player to be in that range. I kind of worry that he misses the cut just because of some of the proximity numbers, even on the good end of my model without even taking into account the injuries. But I mean, at least it's a golfer that has played well here before, who at his very best was a golfer that probably in this event would be in the 60 or 70 to one range versus what that's, he is. If,
0: yeah, I think that's what my numbers are kind of point too so it's throwing money on fire but i'm gonna do it and then i will be done with my outright card who do you guys think is the longest price golfer who can win this
1: tournament in the outright market well doesn't necessarily have to have value but who can win it might be one in a thousand
0: i think my answer was just make i was gonna say my boy uh takumi kanaya but his price is shorter than maverick mcneely so he's out
2: this is this is going down the wrong path, Roberto. I was doing better of last week getting off of all the players that I talked about every week. Webbs, I guess Kevin Yu?
0: Ooh, that's that's Roberto's guy, isn't it? That's that
1: Yuan. That was what I was thinking. Maybe
2: Ryan Moore what... if I want to stick to the UNLV theme, I guess. Like my model really liked Ryan Moore. I think there's more volatility with Kevin Yu, but um I don't what, know. What is more priced out? Uh the best price in the market for him that I see would be two hundred and fifty to one.
1: Okay, I'm seeing him at one forty at Bet three six five. I'm seeing Kevin Yu at three fifty at Bet 365 alongside Carl Yuan, who
0: gets <laughs> boy, the John Rom to live
1: award because because Carl Yuan was one hundred twenty six in the FedEx Cup standings, was not he was going to get a partial PGA tour card. Or partial PGA Tour status, not have a PGA Tour card, but because John Rom left, he is number one twenty-five. Your bubble boy, and he's a full PGA Tour member this year. So congratulations to him. He's at three fifty to one alongside Kevin Yu. I will argue that Ches Reavy at three fifty to one also could win this golf tournament. Um, that's, that's a good gonna, name drop there. I, I do yeah. like that one. I'm going to take a peek at some of his top ten, top twenty odds. I think we could get something intriguing there. Um. In fact, I'm just seeing Re- none of those Reviat. guys have ever made a putt on the PGA tour ever, but <laughs> if, if I'm if, seeing Reviat plus 2000 for a top 10, I think I'm going to punch that ticket with all the ties paid in full. In full. If,
2: if we want to just keep throwing out all these gross names at the bottom, um, Zach Blair, I see him at 400 to one at a book out there. Good proximity numbers within my model.
0: Grades is I mean, a value for me. Yeah. So I'm in. So yeah, well, if I'm you're not listening in, at
1: home, but... you don't have to bet these. Maybe sprinkle them into your DFS, place the market, look check out whatever you got or keep an eye on them um, for future weeks at other similar type of courses. Uh, but all right, we've toiled down at the bottom of the of the board for a while. Spencer, what what else do you have on the rest of your card this week?
2: The only other thing is the the top twenty bet on Spence so there's there's not a lot for me. I hope that there's going to be some opportunities and that's one of the reasons why I also didn't build out my card in a fashion that I couldn't jump in from an in-tournament perspective. Um, I think there may be certain players that inevitably are going to draw the wrong side of the wave draw and that's something that we may be able to take advantage of. I I still believe that the in-tournament head-to-head market is the best value opportunity that you can find on the board at this point. I think books have gotten a lot savvier with some of these pre-tournament bets, with the way that they place players against one another. I don't think you're finding as much value as you used to be able to in the past. And I think when you do find an advantage, it's heavily juiced to the correct side. And I think that's an advantage of books kind of correcting it. But I kind of still believe that that in-tournament sector is where you can find an advantage just because there are mistakes to be found out there.
1: I like it. I think that's a smart way of attacking this this tournament. And I'm going to do the same. Nick, any other plays on your card this week?
0: I got one, uh, but like you guys said, I think I'm going to wait for the wave to, to finish the most the rest of my card just to see what this weather is actually going to do. But I did punch a ticket on Takumi Kanaya top 20 on bet 365, 5-1. I had that at 4.2, so plus 420 that is my odds. So I'll take the 80 points of value in the top 20 market where ties do pay in full.
1: All right, I'm going to take a couple other long shots here. So I'm adding Chedis Revy at 20-1 to one for top 10 with all ties paid in full. I'm going to go Camilo Vijegas, 6-1 to for top 20. We have to have our propaganda for lab putters. So he shot eight under par in the first round at the century last week, was absolutely rolling the rocks, gained over seven strokes putting. He had a really strong fall. Can't necessarily tell you exactly how he did it because there wasn't strokes gain data throughout those tournaments, but he is someone who has played and won on the PGA Tour multiple times and someone who might have a higher ceiling that I think is being priced in for playing as consistently as he did throughout the fall and for just a really one day last week I think he finished at 12 under par after shooting eight under in the first round not great overall and the first round was buoyed by the putter but in this field that lacks elite talent outside of Aubert for top 20 to get to six to one I think it's worth a shot where ties are paid in full gentlemen wanted to give a quick reminder that The Links and Locks podcast is proudly presented by Bet365. Bet365 doesn't do ordinary. They believe that every sport should be epic. Every touchdown, every game, every point, every play, from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today with code ACTION. That's A-C-T-I-O-N. And you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just $1. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. must be 21 or older only must be present in Colorado, Kentucky, Iowa, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. All right, fellas. If we're done with our cards, want to do a quick quick knockout or a quick rapid-fire round to touch on some other golfers we haven't talked too much in depth about? Let's do it. All right. So... We mentioned the top of the board, more so discussed Ludwig O'Bear, but if you had to get a t- if you had to punch a ticket on either Matt Fitzpatrick or Tyrrell Hatton, whom would it be? I'll start with you, Spencer. 18 to one for each of these guys.
2: I'll go with Fitzpatrick. Um, there are some really high end metrics in my model that liked him this week. There are a couple of things that inevitably pushed me in a different direction. Um, I thought, and I guess it's a little bit different of an answer than what Nick talked about. I did think that Obear, Hatton, and Fitzpatrick were the, It's not that Nick didn't say they were the three deserving favorites, but I thought they were a very strong group at the top. I thought there was a difference between them. I mean, I think Henley, you could throw into that mix Harmon that I've talked about. If you want to say Poston is kind of that next name too for me, but, um, I don't dislike any of them. I will go for with, with Fitzpatrick for the sake of the show, but I kind of liked all three of them.
0: How about you, Nick? I'm gonna go with Fitzpatrick. Jumping
1: down a tier two, because we talked about Henley and Harmon. Chris Kirk is 27 to one. Eric Cole, 32 to one. Sahit DiGala, 32 to one. And also Harris English, 32 to one. Among those four guys, Kirk, Cole, DiGala, and English. Spencer, which one would you most like to have a ticket on?
2: I don't necessarily want any of them, I guess.
1: If you had to take a free ticket that I've given you, who are you taking?
2: I'll take Chris Kirk. I Uh, I mean, my model would say Eric Cole in this answer, but for a player that's not naturally great off the tee with distance or accuracy, this does feel like one of those venues that could bite him a little bit. Um, I think Kirk has definitely, obviously from what we saw last week, found something and it's not uncommon for guys to begin this year with just form that they can run back-to-back. So uh, if Kirk could do it in that field, I don't see a reason why he couldn't do it here. Kirk for me about about you, a
0: mile. Yeah, Kirk. His swing's just so repeatable. I love it. It's something I try to mimic as a golfer myself. I do not do that, though, unfortunately. But I got Kirk three <laughs> points shorter. He also has two top five mm-hmm. finishes at this venue. Give me Chris Kirk.
1: I like Kirk a lot. I think the guy is the best golfer among those, but I don't like the course fit for him. Uh, nearly as much as i did kapalua last week jumping down again denny mccarthy's 35 to 1 benny on is 38 to 1 defending champion siwoo kim is 38 to 1 and jay rose justin rose is 38 to 1 on bet 365 as well if i gave you a free ticket on one of those four guys spencer whom would you pick
2: i won't go with rose since i already have the ticket there um I wouldn't mind doubling down and getting an extra bet there, but I guess I'll go with Ben on. I think on is in for a really big 2024. Um, I'm not so sure that markets and we maybe got a little bit of a correction this week, but I'm not so sure markets have corrected to just how good he actually is. Like no matter how I run my model, he's a top 30 player for the entire PGA tour and you get a much weaker field here. Hmm. So Um, I think he's an intriguing name to keep an eye on as the beginning portions of the season start.
1: So Benny on is a guy who before last year on the PGA tour two years ago was on the corn fairy tour, lost his card. And he went through the depths of putting woes when he was the one of the worst putters on the PGA tour consistently, which is impressive, not because he's bad at putting, but because you can keep your card while being on the PGA tour and being such a poor putter. And now that he has seen the light and moved to the torqueless, uh broomstick putter. He's putting well. He, he was one of the better putters last week. I believe he gained over five strokes putting for the week. Um, I can pull up the exact number in a moment, but that's a game changer for a guy who was one of the worst to now grades out his average by data golf. At least I'm very intrigued by him. I don't love the course fit for him, but if he is so good that the course fit doesn't matter that's something that I'm going to keep an eye on, especially after seeing him do so well last week. Which one of those guys? Sorry, go ahead, Spencer.
2: No, I was just going to say, it's that same similar positive trajectory that we've seen with a golfer like Luke List. If you can go from being one of the worst putters on the (laughs) PGA Tour, if not the worst putter, and all of a sudden in a field like this, you're a top 40 sort of player, you can win at a ball striking course. So um, I I think he's intriguing for that reason, but I'll let Nick answer the question.
0: I already have Justin Rose, so I was going to go with Ben on as well. He was using a lab putter, wasn't he?
2: Yes, he has been. He was one of the first
1: ones last that's year, relatively. I thought.
0: He's not on their website, but when I watch on TV, it's like that's he's using the Mez 1, isn't he? Or the Mez 1 Max, I think. So, yeah, we're, mm-hmm. Roberto and I are uh, are sold. So, Lab, if you guys want to sponsor the show, let us know. We'll give some free plugs. Uh, I guess it wouldn't be free if you're sponsoring the show. But, yeah, you get it. You're already getting free <laughs> plugs. So, yeah, I'm going to go with Ben on. Um, long story
1: one. Well, All right, jumping into the 50-to-1 range, Hideki Matsuyama is 50-to-1, Brendan Todd is 50-to-1, and Andrew Putnam, 50-to-1. Actually, scratch Andrew Putnam, let's add Will Zalatoris in here at 55-to-1 among Todd, Matsuyama, and Zalatoris. Which one of those three guys would you rather have a ticket on if I gave it to you?
2: I gave the same answer last week for Hideki that he had a boomer bust potential and maybe he could find something, and he didn't. He came in second to last place. So I understand the concern and maybe just the portions of his game that need to be clicking or not right now, but champion here in 2022, I worry about Zalatoris. Um, he's going to obviously be boomer bust of where he's at right now, but that is a severe surgery that he had. Like, I'd like to see him produce before I necessarily jump back in on him and then uh what was the other name roberto brendan todd yes and brendan todd's gonna be the safer answer of that group i don't know if i necessarily think of win equity in an event or any event really but he is the safest option in my model but i'd rather shoot for the upside if i'm getting a ticket here to try to win this event
0: how about you nick <sighs> i'm still gonna have faith in hideki i know it wasn't there last week but you know go back to a place you've won in dramatic fashion with all things too. I'm I'm going to go with the deck.
1: Regarding Wills out Taurus, he's a guy whom I've been extremely high on throughout his career. Obviously the major back surgery throws a wrench into things. If you guys, do you guys have a plan on how you might want to bet Wills out Taurus or what you're looking for this week to potentially set him up for a tournament where you like his fit later down the road?
2: I think it's a difficult question, Roberto, if we're, if we're looking specifically for betting, The second, because I mean, we're even looking at prices right now that depending on what book you're trying to find him at, I I don't think the numbers are that high for everything that he's gone through. So the second you see any sort of a form from him, I think you're going to jump back into that classic Will Zalatoris range of the price that he's at. I I guess from a trying to find value answer of that, I would just like to see something to one, he looks healthy. If he can look healthy, that's a great start. And two, if he can just be neutral with some of those portions of his game that have been historically what's been great for him, uh, you might be able to find him as he falls and dips potentially in odds. Like that would be more of where I would want to jump in is when a book ends up, you know, skyrocketing him up into the eighty, ninety, a hundred range for one of these tournaments that uh you know, they think he has less win equity at. So I just don't know if we're going to get that in fields like this because books are going to kind of shade against him just because he is such a publicly backed player. And I mean, if they think that he actually has upside, I guess there's like no reason to get burned when you don't know right now, one way or another. But I, I think he's extremely volatile. Like, I don't know if there's a player in this event that's more volatile than he is.
1: I think that I was very excited to see him also move to a lap putter. And then we saw at the Hero World Challenge, I believe it was, he shot a first round score that began with an eight and he looked really, really shaky on some of those short putts. So I'd like to see his short putts. I like to see him do better on those short putts. I think he's going to be fine on the medium to long range putts because he can get a more flowing stroke with the putter. But I also want to look at his ball speed. I want to see if he's hitting it as far, if he has that same, um, if he can be elite and bomb it down there and potentially if he plays poorly this week because of the putter and the ball striking numbers are there might be interesting guy to potentially back at a major championship at a major championship, because I think his game translate to those type of courses when he is healthy. The question just remains if he is that healthy. So um, he's going to be somebody I keep an eye on this week and further down the line. we cover everybody who is 50 to one or shorter in the outright market this week, because any of the golfers that you wanted to touch on before we get out of here,
2: no, I was going to bring up JJ Spawn, so I'm happy that Nick has already done that. I think that there's boomer bust potential behind his game. Um I think unfortunately when you look at a venue like this, when it is so predictive in rollover success from year to year, books kind of have that already priced into the mix. So it's it's hard to find too many deviations and too much value. And I think that can be accounted for with a lot of like we none of us necessarily have a robust card that we're releasing this week. We're all trying to pick and choose where we thought there were value spots to be found, but um, not necessarily my favorite betting card for that reason, just because that course history answer has really suppressed a lot of the value on any of those names that I would have liked to have tried to have punched a ticket on in a different scenario.
1: I got one, I got a pair of guys whom I'll offer it to you. If I gave you a ticket on Akshay Bhatia at 65 to one or Nick Taylor at 80 to one, These are the first two guys off my card. Whom would you rather have? I'll give it to you, Spencer.
2: My model loved Akshay this week. Um, Mm. It's a very similar answer that I think I would give to the Lucas Glover point that I talked about, to where the ball striking can be elite. The putting is what could hold him back. If he does not make putts, you're going to run into problems. But he, at least with him... And, and I don't know what the best price is in front of me right now in the market. I think that's something that's been drifting for him. If at least with him, if you're taking on that volatility with the putter, you're getting it at a number that's over 50 to one in the space. So like that is more conducive for me to want to jump into the mix. I worry more about these golfers that I've talked about with the putting when they're 20, 25 to one, I think it's a different mm-hmm. answer when you can get them 50, 60, 70, 80 to one in that range. And that's kind of how I tried to build my card. And it's, I am actually happy that you brought him up because he was one of the first ones that missed my card also Um, inside the top 15 for me in pretty much every single way that I ran my numbers this week.
1: Those are all great points. And I think that's similarly how I like to attack it with if I'm going to invest in somebody who I know is taking up a bunch of my bankroll for the week at 20, 25 to one, got to be somebody I believe in with the putter, unless their name is Scotty Scheffler, in which case rules don't apply to him. Nick, any thoughts on Batia versus at sixty-five or Taylor at eighty? I would
0: go with Nick Taylor. I think he's kind of checks every single box that I'm looking for. I don't think there's a ton of upside, um, but actually, I know the ball striking is elite at times. It just he, he worries me a little bit. I know he fell off a cliff again on Sunday. He was, you know, getting ran down by some of the best players in the world. But I'd, I'd go with Nick Taylor. I think I'd lean Taylor too, and I think
1: I'm going to add him to my card but but Batia might sneak his way on there as well. Still got some room for him. Um, Just looking at how Nick Taylor has done, win last year at the Canadian Open where he gained almost three and a half strokes per round and gained 4.3 strokes per round at the Phoenix Open, but I believe Scotty Scheffler made putts that week, so he lost. But normally you gain 4.3 strokes per round, you win 90% of the golf tournaments on the PGA Tour. Um, I think Nick Taylor's got a, a higher ceiling than people might think. Uh, but I really like both those two golfers. And Batia is someone who also has his best golf ahead of him. So we're going to be intrigued to see them. I'm going to be intrigued to bet him at these type of prices because I don't think they're going to be there for super long. Fellas, I know you guys have got a bunch of great content out there this week. Where can the people find you? Starting with you, Nick.
0: Yeah, at Wind Daily Sports for the uh, NFL playoff breakdown in terms of DFS and some player props. And then at Better Golf Pod to talk more DFS on the Sony Open with our boy Spencer here.
1: Awesome. Spencer, how about you?
2: You can find me on Twitter at sports. Uh, If you want to see any of the numbers that I've talked about, you can get them on my model over at Rotoballer. And I will have content throughout the entire week here at Action Network. We're going to talk about the outright market on Wednesday. We'll jump back into that bread and butter market of mine of the in-tournament bets. Was able to start the year 2-0 and there, so that was a nice little start. I will say Roberto, and I know you were my editor for the one article. It took everything yeah. in my power, pretty much every single day, to not bet Jason Day in each matchup, and that's not how I wanted to start my 2024. But all those matchups would have won. So there's always little tidbits of information if there is value out there that I try to throw into the mix too.
1: I know that you're, pro- you're protesting his new outfits, but um, I'm a believer that he has some potential. He has he has some pieces in the outfits that I thought I didn't hate and. Overall, bullying works. We'll bully him into wearing some cooler stuff down the line. But I do like that he's wearing a different look. Um, But we'll see if he figures it out, both on and off the course. Um, You can find me on Twitter at Roberto8213. I'll be editing everything at Action Network Golf Related this week, so you can find our Best Bets article live once you hear this show. We've got one-and-done picks from Matt Gannon. We've got Jason Sobel's Mega Guide. We've got Spencer with the tournament in-tournament picks, which I believe went 2-0 last week. And then we've also got um, a ton of other content coming tomorrow, first-round leader, other prize picks plays. So whatever you want, however you're betting golf or, or prize picking it, you can find it on the Action Network where we've got you covered. Also got the other podcast here on Links and Locks, the best bets uh, as well. So be sure to download the app, uh, check the website, tell a friend, tell an enemy, whatever you got to do. Of course, we've got a bunch of great NFL content with the super wildcard weekend starting this weekend. So excited for all that stuff and check it out on the Action Network app. So once again, want to give a big thanks to... Everybody who makes this podcast possible, especially our producers, Noah Niederhofer, who stays up in the middle of the night to do this or early in the morning, depending on how you look at it, and our executive producer, Matt Mitchell. Uh, I want to thank all the listeners for helping us. Please Um, review the show. If you like it, review the show, if you don't like it, it helps us either way. Uh, Thanks again for your support. And if there's anything we can do to help you out, hit us up and we'll uh, we'll try to do that for you. So thanks again for tuning in. I want to give one final reminder that the links and locks podcast is proudly presented by bet three, six, five, bet three, six, five, doesn't do ordinary. They believe that every sport should be epic. Every touchdown, every game, every point, every play from the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today with code action, and you'll get $365 in bonus bets when you bet just one single dollar. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. must be 21 or older only. must be present in Colorado, Kentucky, Iowa, New Jersey, Ohio, or Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER in Colorado, Kentucky, New Jersey, Ohio, and Virginia, or 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. Terms and conditions apply. Thanks again for tuning into our Sony Open in Hawaii Tournament Preview. And here's to hoping you get the green this week. And aloha. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.